1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies on how to build happier habits. This week we'll talk about why you shouldn't interview for pain and why shared work is a big problem for happiness. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the sage, Elizabeth Kraft.
2: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, as you can probably hear, I'm (laughs) suffering some allergies, so um, my voice is, you know, even more uh, whatever it is than usual, so bear with me.
1: I thought people didn't get allergies in L.A.,
2: Uh, Oh, yeah. We got winds and all sorts of stuff in the air. So uh, forgive me.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, before we get started, uh, listeners, stick around to the end and we will give you easy instructions on how to subscribe if you're not sure how to subscribe to a podcast. Because it seems very mysterious, but it's actually super duper easy. So we'll include that at the end of the podcast. But first, we're going to have an update. And Elizabeth, burning question. Have you worked on your novel? We're, we're, you're an obliger. We're holding you accountable. Have you started work on your novel?
2: Oh, God. I knew this question was coming. It's going to come many times. Uh, you can, I know. You can guess what my answer is based on that. I haven't worked on it yet. Here's my, what I feel is a legitimate excuse, which is, so Jack started kindergarten this week. And what I realized is that it's like I'm starting school as well. It's like my first week of school because I'm joining this and as well as Adam, we're joining this whole community and there's all sorts of events and meetings and it's, it's very exciting, but it's very time consuming. So I, I haven't had that extra bit of time that I thought I would have in the mornings yet but i will and i did unearth my eight pages that i have so i'm ready to write and i reread the first line so i i've i've, I've, I've gone that far so
1: next week will be the week can i can i make a suggestion too just for the, the rest of this yes. week yes uh, symbolically Observe the habit, even like e- that's really smart from a habits perspective that you even just pulled it up and read the first sentence. Because if you're starting, even if you can't actually keep the habit, if you symbolically keep the habit so that you just keep okay. that place in your day, okay, just sort of making space for it. And then when next week, when it's the real start, it'll be a little bit easier.
2: Okay, I'll do that. And I actually got an email from one of our listeners offering to start a Facebook group or an email group. Uh, you know, an accountability group because she also wants to write a YA novel and has actually, it sounds like, done quite a bit of work on it. But I have not even had my act together to respond to her. So, um, I heard you, um, and I haven't responded because I just don't have my act together.
1: <laughs> okay, well, stay tuned for that.
2: And meanwhile, you, what's going on with the dog? Is, have you found a dog? Are you do you have a dog?
1: We do, we do not yet have a dog. <laughs> We are going to get a dog, and I'm reading frantically. Everything that I do, I can only do by reading about it. And it turns out that there's this giant literature, not only about dogs, which I've been reading about dogs, but also about getting a dog. Ah. Like many people have written whole books about, oh, I got a dog, and this is this is what happened. This is what I learned about myself. This is, this is what it was like. So I've been slowly working my way through that section of the library. So stay tuned for more on the dog. All right. So, Elizabeth, this week, our try this at home tip is don't interview for pain. Yeah,
2: this came up, Gretch, over the summer when we were in Kansas City together and Jack was about to start camp at what was going to be his new kindergarten. And I was super nervous about it. And you had this advice, which I thought was great.
1: Yeah. This comes from a book, which is one of my favorite books about parenting. It's called Best Friends, Worst Enemies, Understanding the Social Lives of Children by Michael Thompson and Catherine O'Neill. And I love that book. And what their point is, is if there's some kerfuffle with Pat, you don't say to your kid, so honey, was Pat mean to you today because you're interviewing for pain?
2: Yeah, it makes so much sense. Like, I I feel like you always want to say, what bad thing happened because you're so worried, but then that just brings up that something bad happened. It's like shines a spotlight on the bad
1: instead of on the good. Right. Um, And so here's what they write, which I think is interesting, or Michael Thompson. I believe that we live the story we tell ourselves and others about the life we're leading. If you constantly interview your child for pain, your child may begin to hear a story of social suffering emerge from her own mouth. Soon she'll begin to believe it, and will see herself as a victim. Please understand that I am not advising you to disbelieve our children, nor am I saying that you should not be empathic. But don't interview for pain, don't nurture resentments, and don't hold on to ancient history. Kids don't. And I think there's, that's, it's really helpful to remember that.
2: Oh, completely, because we'll be worried about something that they've moved on from ages
1: ago. It's like, because that's just how they work. But also, I think, like, if you say, oh, honey, was Pat mean to you today? First of all, they'll see that bad stories about Pat are a good way to get your attention, that you're, like, riveted yes. by the stories of Pat's, uh, you know, malignant deeds. And that also, like you say, it focused their attention on the bad part of the day. When they look back on their day, instead of rifling through the index cards for the good things that happened, they're... they're trying to remember the, the painful interactions.
2: Yeah. It's like, oh, that's what mom wants to hear about. She wants to hear all my gripes because that's what she responds to. And then she gives me a hug and a kiss, you know, it's like a conditioning. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the one thing I would say, obviously, which, you know, he says in that quote is we don't want to feel like them to feel like they can't say something bad happened because that can also be a problem where kids feel like they could only present the good it's just that we want them to present what they feel is important, not us sort of mining what we feel is important. Right.
1: But when I read this, I have to say, I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, I do this all the time. Or, you know, it's just oh, so yeah. easy because that's what you want to know. And, uh, you know, you want to sort of monitor a situation. You feel like it's sort of a duty as a parent to like be. And, it, and I really once I read that found myself biting my tongue. And I even found myself having this thing with adults you know, not saying like, oh, is your ex-husband still being a big jerk? Or, you know. uh... Right.
2: Yeah. No, I think like adults, because it's also easy conversation fodder. Yes. You know, uh, like, as we all know, it's just like gossip. Everyone likes to sort of dig into the negative. And if we didn't do that, you know, maybe we'd all feel a little better. At the same time, adult, the, the, what I said about kids goes for adults too. You don't want people to feel like they can't open up about what's bothering them. It's just, you don't want to be like, well, yeah, tell me about your divorce. What are all the details, you know?
1: Right, right. That you're it's almost pregnant. Well, I mean, I was talking to somebody who said that it was like she had a friend who wouldn't let it go. Like, even when she said sort of like, I don't want to talk about it, her friend kept persisting and thinking that she was being a really good friend. And why wasn't her friend cooperating in her interest? And, and she's like, but you're right. not being a good friend because I don't want to talk about that stuff. You're not le- you're not following my lead. You're just trying to probe the wound. And I don't appreciate it. Yeah,
2: and that can be like a passive-aggressive thing too, where somebody almost gets off feeling superior to somebody else's pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is you know? your delinquent son doing? Uh, tell me. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, now that's an adult thing. I don't think that holds true
1: for kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Like, let us know if you found yourself interviewing for pain, or you've resisted the inter the uh, the impulse to interview for pain because we're really curious to hear if other people have uh, found themselves falling into this pattern. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business.
0: LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, happiness stumbling block. And this week, I think this is something, this has got to be one of the most ubiquitous stumbling blocks. And that is the stumbling block of shared work. Ah. Uh, from what I've observed, people really get into a lot of conflict when there are situations where there's shared work over how it actually gets divvied up and uh, who does what and the resentments that follow therefrom.
2: Yeah, I think that's got to be like one of the biggest uh, marriage, uh, you know, sources of conflict in many marriages, right?
1: Yes. And offices, Uh, too. I mean, I think it's an issue in offices. Yes. So I think there's there's several things about shared work that make it uh, a happiness stumbling block. And one of them, I think certainly, is that when other people do work, it sounds easy. You know, you're like, how hard is it to care for a newborn baby who's asleep? you know, 20 hours a day? How hard is it to travel for work? Uh, You know, stay in a hotel overnight. How hard is it to do, uh, keep track of your expenses? How often, how hard is it to take a four year old, you know, or five year old to kindergarten? When other people do things, it just doesn't sound that hard. I mean, unless they're doing open heart surgery or something. I mean, most work done by other people, you're like, ah, that doesn't sound so bad. But then when you're doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is such a huge pain. Why are other people not rushing to my aid? Oh,
2: absolutely. And it and I mean, I think it's also like you expect people to do things and you don't think about the time it takes them is equal to the time it takes you to do something else. Like I work with um, a guy who is we're talking about trash Uh um, and he we get into many topics in the in the writer's room. And he was saying that his oh, my wife. Let's the trash build up to, you know, the very top until it's just about to fall over before she takes it out. And I I was like, wait a second. Wait, he, was your complain- job. he was
1: complaining about that.
2: Well, he wasn't complaining. He was just noting, commenting on yeah. it. And I said, "Well, it's your job to take the trash out. You're letting it get that high because you know you're the man." And I thought one of the benefits of marriage is, if, uh, you know, is that the other person takes the trash out. <laughs>
1: That's like uh, part he, of the marriage vows. Is like, and by the yeah, way, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's so
2: it's so <laughs> funny because it made. And he was like, "What? No." Uh, and it was just funny because it made me really appreciate that Adam always takes out the trash. And to me, that's just like, oh, a man takes the trash out. You know, it was just like part of your manliness to, to <laughs> get rid of trash. But then I thought, well, that is a real pain. It's like you have to get it out. It's kind of smelly. You have to take it outside to the bin. You know, it's a whole thing. And so um, I thought to myself, well, let me try to occasionally take the trash out. For him, and he'll probably appreciate that.
1: Well, there are two things I would say about shared work and that anecdote. First of all, is that if you're not doing something, don't carp from the sidelines. If you want to do some, something done a certain way, do it yourself uh. Uh, for the most part. If other people are doing a task, then they get to control how it's done, you know, in their own time, which may not be your time. Um, and they also, also the thing is, and we talked about this before, I can't remember exactly when, is unconscious overclaiming, which is when you, you unconsciously think that you're contributing more to a a mutual effort because you're very aware of what you're doing but you aren't as aware of what other people are doing, partly because we tend to do the things we value, so we think those things are more important, but also you just know what you're doing, and you kind of forget about... Like, Jamie does everything connected to our car, and I I, I, I have to remind myself of that, because since I I don't do a single thing, it's easy for me Uh to overlook that work.
2: Yeah, or like, I take care of all the forms for uh, Jack's school, which to me seems like a huge job... But Adam deals with plumbers, air conditioners, you know, anything having to do with the house, which is also a huge amount of work. It's just easy to just ignore what other people do.
1: But and another thing about shared work, a problem that that arises, and this is when there's like ambiguity about what, what people are doing, is that. If you're doing something, it's easy to assume that other people are very aware of what you're doing, and that they feel grateful to you, and they sort of feel like they're they they owe you something, or that they should take over if you're doing it. They feel. They feel guilty or they, that, you know, they're sort of aware of the fact that you're being exploited or, 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 or you're doing more than your fair share. But often I find that the more you do something, the more other people don't even think about it. It's not like they're thinking like, oh, wow, uh, Gretchen has been making the first pot of coffee in our office for the, for three months. It's amazing. I can't believe it. I, I, I feel so bad that I haven't done it and I really should rush to her aid and it's just, just because I'm a big jerk that I'm not doing it. They don't even think about it. It's not, it's not even crossing their mind.
2: And, you know, I think that comes up also with newborns. Ah. You can get into a situation where probably typically the mother, it just does everything. And then the dad feels like, oh, well, she does all the feeding. She does the bathing. She puts the baby to sleep. That's her arena. I'm not going to, you know, I won't, I won't get involved in that because she, that's her. I don't want to get in the way. And then suddenly the mother could feel like all this resentment because she's doing everything for the baby. But meanwhile, the other person honestly thinks that's how it's supposed to be. It's not that they don't want to do it. It's just that the, it doesn't occur to them because this is how it's been set up.
1: Well, and, and, and sort of a, fur, a further example of that, I got this really fascinating email um, after I wrote about a shared work on my blog, because somebody said that, um, he had he wanted to complain about the way his groceries were bagged at a certain store, so he went onto this web forum um, and got and, and and people were talking about it. And and one of the commenters wrote angrily, "I bet you're one of those people that doesn't even help the cashier pack your groceries, aren't you?" And this guy was stunned. Sure. And then a couple of other people wrote in too, like, "What?" I had no idea that any. And, and, and it was clear that a couple other cashiers wrote in and were like, yeah, those people who are so inconsiderate and don't help bag groceries. And 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 everybody else, a lot of other people were like what? I had no idea that anybody would have ever. I, I, it was totally not part of my consciousness. It's sort of like I'm here to shop. You're here to bag groceries like, uh, you know, it never occurred to me yeah. that I should be helpful. They weren't being inconsiderate. They like truly just never thought of it. Yeah.
2: I have to say, I would feel the opposite. I would feel like it would be rude to help because that's their job. And it's like, I wouldn't want someone coming to my office and writing scenes. (laughs) You you know, I would think like, it's like, you don't think I'm good enough to do this. That's, I would feel like, Oh, you don't know how to bag groceries. Let me divide the cold and the hot, you know? So I would just feel like it was, uh, inappropriate. But it's interesting that this is why it's a thorny issue. It's because people honestly have different feelings about it. It's not that they want to be a jerk. It's just that they don't see it that way. Right, right. Well, Gretch, let me ask you this. Is there anything to do about the problem of shared work? What's the solution?
1: Well, here's the thing. It's kind of a harsh solution. But if there's something that you don't think that you should be doing, don't do it. Which sounds so obvious, but if you are consistently and reliably doing a task, others will not leap in. If you are making that first pot of coffee in the office, don't do it. So, for instance, somebody emailed me and um, sort of as a favor to everybody in the office, she was distributing the mail. And then but then she was irate because everybody just kept letting her do it and nobody took a turn. Right. And then somebody <laughs> said, I thought that was part of your job description. Like, you'd been doing it for three months. I So the thing is, it's like, go through the mail and just take out what's for you and let leave everything else there in a heap. Like... If you're doing it, others will not come. To, you know, yeah. Now, clearly, like at some point, shared work has to get done. You have to work it out. But if you're doing something, it's not very realistic to expect that others will uh, will rush to your aid. That's just uh, you know human nature. So, but it well, is, I'd
2: love to hear if anyone goes on strike with the tasks they don't want to, they feel they should not have to
1: complete and what happens. Yes. Yeah. Probably childcare needs to be exempted from that because somebody, yes. has, somebody has to feed your children, but uh, other things, yeah, you could let it slide and see what happens.
2: Okay, Gretchen, now it's time for a listener question. And this week's question comes from Kyla
0: in New Jersey. Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I have tried a few of your suggestions with great success, but I'm having a specific issue, and I was wondering if you could help me. My husband and I love ice cream, but he loves to have it in the freezer at all times so he can have it when the mood strikes him, but this is dangerous for me because I eat it all the time. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I found myself in the kitchen with a spoon at 10 a.m. because I just cannot get the ice cream out of my head. I prefer to go out for ice cream when I crave it for this very reason. I've tried telling him to buy flavors I don't like, but I've discovered they do not exist. Any suggestions to reconcile our opposing ice cream consuming tendencies? Thanks. I
1: love that. There is no ice cream flavor that she doesn't like. I know. And I like the opposing
2: ice cream consuming tendencies. That's that's a great phrase. Yes,
1: yes. We need a t-shirt. Yes.
2: So, Gretchen, is this an abstainer-moderator issue? Is
1: it that her husband's a moderator and she's an abstainer? Uh, Well, it sure sounds that way to me. So we talked about this all the way back in our second episode, abstainers versus moderators. And abstainers are people who do better when they have none or nothing if they start they can't stop so it's like uh, they want if they have one bite of ice cream they want a lot they want ice cream at 10am it's on their mind and i i so identify with this cuz i'm an abstainer but moderators are the people who can have just a little bit or sometimes they're the people that keep the bar of chocolate in their desk drawer and have one bite of chocolate and so it sounds like her husband's a moderator and like when the mood strikes him, he has a little ice cream and that's great, but she's an abstainer, which is if the ice cream's there, she wants to have it and it's very hard for her not to eat it if it's there and that's a very abstainer.
2: So what? How, what's, how do they meet in the middle or can they meet in the middle?
1: Well, so here's the thing about abstainer moderator is that people often tell each other that they're doing it wrong, um, but no one's right and no one's wrong. It's just there's two different ways of approaching a strong temptation. Um, now, I, so, so then the question is, okay, so who wins? if Who prevails if, they're, if neither person's right, neither person's wrong, and they have these opposing preferences, opposing ice cream-consuming tendencies? Right. <laughs> I say the person who's home more should prevail. She says she's a stay-at-home mom. She's eating at 10 o'clock. So she's fa- facing temptation more of the time. So I would say she should prevail. And then they go out for ice cream whenever— they they feel a craving for ice cream. It's a, it's a you know, it's more of a pain, but she's the one facing the ice cream more of the day.
2: That sounds fair. I don't know if her husband will agree that it's fair, but it does make sense. I've also noticed, by the way, that at the store, they now have tiny little ice cream things. It's like much smaller than a pint. And maybe her husband could pick one up for himself on his way home from work if he wants to eat his ice cream at home, and then he would finish the entire thing.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, another thing is, like, if he really wants something sweet, I mean, this doesn't work for ice cream, because ice cream has to be in a freezer, and it's, like, easy to look at the freezer and see what's in there. But if he got cookies or candy or something like that, he could hide it somewhere, and then he could just have it whenever he wanted, but it wouldn't weigh on his wife's, uh, her mind, because she wouldn't know about it. And in fact, a lot of moderators do keep uh, sweets hidden from other members of their family. I've discovered for exactly this reason.
2: <laughs> yeah. You are married to a
1: moderator. Yes. And I'm an abstainer for sure. So.
2: So Kyla, email us uh, in a few weeks and let us know how your uh, ice cream ar- argument ended and, and if, if you managed to work it out and if this helped.
1: Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, demerit and gold star. Elizabeth, you are up with the demerit.
2: Yes, and it's uh, the theme for me of this episode, kindergarten. So as I mentioned, Gretchen, uh, this uh, Jack had his first day of kindergarten this week. Yeah. And what happened is I was so stressed about getting there on time.
1: Yeah. Well, you live in L.A., so it's it's a long drive, too.
2: Yeah. Traffic is so unpredictable and you know you never know exactly how long it's going to take somewhere in a certain time of day, et cetera, et cetera. So I was this tyrant, you know, forcing everybody to get up at 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> Which is and, not like you,
1: know, you, by the way. That's not your That's not your usual way of, uh, you're not a tyrannical, get people out of bed type.
2: Well, Adam would disagree with that. But anyway, I, you know, rushed Jack to his breakfast, rushed us out the door. Well, and then what happened is we got there and we were so early. Jack was the first kid there. And it was like too much time, you know, before the bell rang. So it was kind of like he was fine in the morning. And then as this time went by of being on the playground and more kids arriving, I felt like his nerves got and our nerves, frankly, got more frayed because there was so much anticipation um And also, like, he has a friend that he knows in kindergarten, and his friend didn't get there until, you know, a normal time. <laughs> and so he was just, where's my friend? Where's my uh, friend? You know, and, and just waiting and feeling like, was well, he not going to show up? You know, and uh, being all nervous about it. Yeah. So I really give myself a happiness to merit for being so neurotic about being on time that I actually made us. Um, you know, things more anxious as opposed to less anxious, which is what I was going for.
1: Yeah. But I think this is the kind of I completely understand this. And since Jamie and I are both pathologically prompt, we have this problem often of getting places too early. And I and I know about that anxiety when but it is a demerit that came from a place of love where you really True. just didn't want him to be late on his first day. So too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. So I'm going to,
2: I'm trying to mellow out at the same time. You know, I spent 20 minutes last night telling Adam how bad the traffic is at the school in the morning and that, you know, we have to be prompt. So I haven't totally let it go. But, but
1: so was he there when you were so early? Because then it's like, <laughs>
2: yes, that, wrong. no, no, he the was wrong like, well, we were the first ones here. <laughs>
1: yeah. Must be. Oh, yeah. Easy breezy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah.
2: Anyway, tell what's your gold star this week.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to give a gold star. To my special drawer. Uh, Ah. So I have a special drawer, uh, and everybody in my family calls it my special drawer. Like, look at my special drawer, because I couldn't think of a better name for it. I need a better name. (laughs) But uh, it's like the special drawer. And in this drawer, which is in the kitchen, and I very carefully put it in the kitchen because I thought, well, is the kitchen the right place to put a special drawer because you have so much stuff you want to put in your kitchen in a convenient way. I was like, is this the proper use of this real estate? And then I thought, no, nothing is more important than the special drawer. So the special drawer is where I keep everything that a person needs. So Ah. it has paper clips, whiteout, pens, pencils, a screwdriver, tape, glue. Um, It's where I keep my checkbooks. It's where I keep bills. It's where I keep uh, blank envelopes, it's sort of like anything that you ever need to just lay your hands on, it's in this special drawer. And it's great because one of the, something that gives me tremendous pleasure, uh, and this makes me sound like the most shallow person who's <laughs> pleased by the most trivial stuff, is I love being able to put my hands right on something. Like, I like being able to be like, I'm gonna get the scissors, and I walk there and there are the scissors, or there's our museum card, like right where it's supposed to be. And so it gives me immense pleasure that everything, all those things that you find yourself reaching for, Right there in a convenient place. And because it's convenient, then people tend to put things away. Or if they don't put them away, I put them away where they belong. And so I know, I hate scrabbling for things. You know, where's the tape? Uh-huh. It's easy to see when I'm about to run out of something because I'm constantly looking at it. And it's I will post a photo of my special drawer. It does not look like anything special. It is definitely not magazine worthy it's a very ugly looking but it's so functional
2: what I like is that you know I think most people refer to that as a junk drawer Ah. but by referring to it as your special drawer you've elevated it you know you've you've made it into something great so I think we should all rename our junk drawers (laughs) our special drawers
1: yeah now maybe I'll kind of fix it up too now now that I'm thinking about it so lovingly I think that maybe I need to make it prettier um, right, well, give it a little, get a little snap to it. But anyway. Yeah, some jus Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a special drawer, send me a photo, especially if you have like a highly designed special drawer because it'll give me some good good decorating tips. Not that I'm going to do it though. Let's be realistic, Elizabeth. Yeah. When was the last time? When was the last time? I was going to say, I was did... going yeah. to say
2: post a before and after, but I just yeah, doubted that there no. was going to be
1: an after. There's no after. Okay. Well, but I still love it. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Don't interview for pain. Let us know if you tried it and how it worked. Thank you to our
2: producer, Henry Malofsky. And thanks, as always, to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. Word of mouth is very helpful. And subscribe to us on iTunes. And again, keep listening and we'll give you the instructions about how to subscribe. And if you want to get my email newsletter, text me at 66866 in the message box, type happier. And when you get a text back that asks you to enter your email address, just do that and you'll get a confirmation. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Okay, time to talk about how to subscribe to a podcast. First of all, do not worry. Anyone can do it. There are a few steps, but it really is easy. Uh, So you're going to want to have your smartphone handy.
2: So right now we're going to explain
1: how to subscribe on an iPhone. To
2: subscribe on another type of phone or on a computer, check the instructions we posted on GretchenRubin.com. If you have an Android phone, you'll need to download a new app from Google Play. Popular options are Pocket Cast and Stitcher.
1: All right, so looking at your iPhone, there should be a purple app called Podcasts. It comes right with every newer iPhone. So if you don't see it, you can download it from the App Store. So take a second to find it and open that app.
2: Then in the bottom right corner of the app, click on the magnifying glass that says search, then type happier. The first bright yellow search result should be this podcast. Click it, then click on the purple button that says subscribe. And Gretchen, we must point out this is a free subscription.
1: Yes, very important. In the bottom left corner is a My Podcasts button. From now on, when you open that page, the newest episode of Happier will appear, and you can just click on it to listen. That's it. You
0: did it.
2: Now you'll automatically get the newest episode of Happier every week as soon as it's released, right on your phone. I love actually subscribing to podcasts because then listening to them could not be easier.
1: And that's one of the key things about making a habit, you wanna make it as convenient as possible and very few habits, sadly, are as convenient as the habit of subscribing to a podcast.